Are you ready for this? Your boys are back. Show dog. It's WrestleMania 15. <laughs> Main event, The Rock versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Gola. Whitey, again, that motherfucker just hit a third. Suck my dick, New York. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Oh, holy fuck, that guy hit some tanks, baby. And KG. It's, it's tough. As I, can, I, don't, I don't know. I don't even know. I'm sorry. I just got worked up about Girardi. I fucking hate the guy. <laughs> Bringing you hot take after hot take. It's BDB. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of BDB. Today's will be college football special and i'm gonna break one down for you real quick we got third and 10 florida on their own 25 up by four four minutes to go in the game drop back out of the shotgun anthony richardson looks left steps up in the pocket rolls right there he goes he's got a linebacker to beat on the sideline he takes off he misses the tackle he's at the 50 he's at the 40 he's at the 30 he's at the 20 oh anthony richardson is the front runner for the heisman on his fifth touchdown of the day are you fucking kidding me this kid is electric and you guys just got a first uh first uh insight on shore's dream he had last night wow all day how i could hit that one Woo! God damn, my guy, bringing in the heat early with that. Yeah. What? Anthony Richardson. I'm. He's. Uh. He's everything I got this year. I know my yeah. Patriots aren't Super Bowl contenders, but I know that this kid has superstar potential. So, um, he also could be a dud. Like he's so raw that it's. But I figured let's let's start it off like that. That's my guy. Woo! Look at that man coming in yeah. hot. So today's episode is going to be all college football, which if you don't have a boner already for this shit, it's, uh, I'm telling you, mine's poking out of the pants because I am super excited (laughs) for Saturday. I can't wait either. Um, pretty solid slate of games for, for week one. We're like, I don't know if Troy said we're going to go with five of the bigger ones, I guess. Um, Three, three big, three real big ones against with match uh, ranked yep. opponents. But I just, mm-hmm. I can't fucking wait, dude. And the thing that the best part about it is, is like, it's starting to cool off. We had the windows open in the house. There's a cool breeze coming through. It's starting to feel like fall. September first is tomorrow. I, I'm, I'm jacked up. I cannot fucking wait. I will tell you the only. I actually and don't actually mind the cold tomorrow. weather. There's a bunch of games tomorrow. Sorry, Kev. Yeah, that's okay. You cut me off after I'm used to it. Um, I. Uh, <laughs> I actually, I actually like when it gets a little cooler, but I fucking hate the time. I hate how it gets so goddamn dark. If it, if it was like zero degrees in the winter, but we still had like daylight till like six or seven p.m., it'd be fantastic. Love it. Is so, it, isn't the state of Maine looking to like get away, go away from daily savings? I believe, it's yeah, still, yeah, yeah. Still gets dark at like five thirty. If that was the case, but five thirty is better than four. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly is. Shuri, how'd you, uh, how you feeling about your fantasy team there? We were, we were at the draft this weekend. Uh, yep. we thought about doing an episode, but it wouldn't be good. It wouldn't be good content for an episode. So, uh, no, because everyone's just laser focused in, mm-hmm. um, yep. 
You know, I, I did a million mock drafts before. I, I knew I was either going to go Cup or Jefferson. Uh, the day before, I just decided that I was going Cup. And then I couldn't believe it in round two that Jamar Chase was there. So I went wide receiver, wide receiver. So just kind of happened that way. And I did a million mocks. Never happened. So. And this... I, I will say that there was like one thing, like Kevin and I were sitting here watching that draft. And it was like, I know you guys do a super flex. So you guys can uh, use two quarterbacks at once. But there was a run of fucking quarterbacks. And Whoa. it was like, Kevin and I are like, holy shit. And I'm shocked. sure, like, you guys drafting were probably like, what is going on right now? I sure uh, I think one of the big surprises, and I understand he didn't have weapons, but, like, Aaron Rodgers, I think, was, like, the 12th or 13th quarterback taken off the board. That's my guy. That's mine. Right, but he, but I'm saying, like, you got him. Oh. Yeah. He was, like, the 12th or 13th quarterback, which Kevin and I kept sitting there and were like, what the hell? Why is he How still is, there? I mean, why is Rodgers still there? Um, I mean. So, yeah, no, that was. Yeah, just to go up first round, four quarterbacks taking first round, four quarterbacks taking Shocked. second round, like insane to me. Shocked. Yeah. I thought for sure, I thought I was like, all right, I'll just walk. Like I already knew I was getting Cooper Cup and I thought I was going to get Lamar Jackson. Um, If I didn't get Lamar, I was just taking best available. I thought for sure, like I'm like 90% sure I'm getting Lamar. And he went picked like 11, I think. So he did. Yeah, yeah Gov, well, DP took him, which, speaking of DP, I just want to give DP a shout out. It was an absolute pleasure seeing him on Saturday. <laughs> I always have the best time when I'm around him, and I am very much looking forward to seeing him in two weeks when we go to Sunday River to play golf. So, <laughs> DP, nothing but love, my man. Man, that's one thing. We've been talking about that golf outing for so long now, and it's like it's finally upon us, dude. Do you think so? Like, I'm in the first group, I'm going to be fucking nervous to you enough. Yeah, you're going to have a lot of eyes on you. A lot of yeah. eyes. And, and I know like the I'm thing is, when it. you guys spin the when you guys spin the whole like T to figure out who's going first, if it lands on you or whoever lands first, and there's gonna be 16 guys like staring at him the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's I think I'd rather be, be first though, to be honest, than like second or th- like. Oh, I guess if they shake it, you feel better. But if someone gets up there and pipes one, then you're like, yeah. oh boy. Yeah. That's, that's yeah gonna somebody be my boy Keith, dude. It's gonna be my boy Keith. Um. Yeah, so it, we actually, uh, on Saturday, we went down and played golf at uh, Willowdale. There was about 12 of us, Shory. Yep. Played there. Yep. Uh, then went to lunch. Went back to Shory's, and we watched uh, Kurt do wow. his uh, punishment for finishing last last year. So I think he made it to like three, three four bites with the burrito and started. Uh, mm-hmm. He was super confident at first. Like, oh, this is nothing. Oh, he's like, oh, I can't even taste anything. Then somebody mentioned sardines, and that was... Uh, it started to come up. Uh, let me try to let me try to remember some of the stuff that went in there, but like a hot dog, uncooked, sardines, uh, sour patch kids, horseradish, right? uh, salmon. S- yep, smoked salmon. Uh, peanut butter, chipotle sauce, peanut butter, uh, balsamic vinaigrette. Balsamic. Someone, someone put in there. <laughs> Was mayonnaise? Uh, is that one of them? No, we took that out oh. and we put uh, a dairy-free cheese and cottage cheese. Man, I, yeah, I think I mean, that, that's probably um, most of it. It was disgusting. Like putting it together, I was dying laughing. Like, oh, did you put whoa, whoa, some whoa. jam or jelly in it? Oh yeah, crackled, get some jam in there. <laughs> By the way, that kid comes absolute decked out in Eagles gear, head to toe. Yeah, it, you. Call, I think you. I love how he had the beer. 
from Philly. Yeah, I had yeah, the gangling of going all Philly, all Pennsylvania. I love how we put a piece of tape over the back. It must have been an old Wentz jersey and put AJ Brown. But I bought it back. for him. <laughs> oh, you that did? was my wedding gift to him was the Wentz oh, jersey. No so he put a brown thing over. I don't blame him. That guy's a fucking bum. <laughs> yeah. I will fun. say that Kurt did a lot better on his uh, 1.25 mile beer uh, <laughs> beer mile. <laughs> but he did he did he a lot. He did a lot better than I thought he was going to do. I'll tell, I'll say that. I was impressed. And then Kreckle is way too nice on the sauces because I'm telling you, when I put that thing on there, there was like, it was like a puddle underneath when I would sauce up his wings. And Kreckle was just putting a dab. And I'm like, he's just eating it so fast that he's not even like hitting his tongue. But if you just like load it, he has no ch- no chance. And the, the bowels of hell hot sauce should have been loaded. Uh, like a possible trip to the hospital was what I was hoping for. Um, but he got off easy. I think he did pretty well on that too. I thought, well, I, I also, I, here's a hot take. Maybe this, no pun intended. I feel like he was acting like it wasn't bothering him. That's, more than I think ever, that's what like, it was. Cause you can look, he's like, Oh, it's, it's not that bad. And you're looking at him and I'm like, he's like mentally trying to tell himself it wasn't that bad, but I feel like he was struggling inside more than he was letting on. Yeah. I'm impressed. I would have handled it a lot worse than he would. I know that. I don't think <laughs> so. I don't handle. Oh that no, so I'll well. give him credit. Like he he did well considering, but I do think he was like, it was like mind over matter, right? Like he was telling himself it's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's not mm-hmm. that yep. bad. Yeah. And like we said, he crushed the beer mile. Like he didn't even. I, I cut yeah. him off. Went to the wings, but the beer mile, he ran it all and never fucking puked. That's incredible. I'd be like. I'd be on my hands on my knees. If I walked it and did that, I feel like he, he ran the whole thing. <laughs> this is just hearsay from, um, from, cause a couple guys followed him in a car and played some Rocky music for him. Just going off what they said, but where he did it, it was in Shuri's neighborhood and it's just all houses around. And so he ran around the block and I guess by the last lap, there are people cheering for him on the back stretch there on the other houses. Cause they saw him <laughs> run four laps around. So they were kind of cheering him on by the end of it, which is pretty cool. So, Awesome. Good job, Kurt. It's good stuff. All right, you want to do this college? You want to do that? You want to do some more? What do you want to do? Well, I had a, we had a little small request here. Uh, in a, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Chats yeah. In the baseball about talking about episode two of uh, House of the Dragons, so we figured we'd touch base on that. So if this Real is a spoiler quick. alert, spoiler alert if you have not watched no, it. No, no. If you haven't watched it, that's your fault. Well, I'm just well, saying no, spoiler, spoiler alert. You can Boiler, skip forward. Fuck him. You have four days. That's remember Aaron <laughs> Rodge said that one time. He said you have four days to watch it. If you don't watch it those four days, then you know what? It's on you. Anyways. So I mean, I think this this episode was there was a lot going on, but it wasn't as like I feel like as intense as episode one. Um, the big thing is is they uh, like Damon fled to Dragonstone. Um, and basically he stole one of the eggs, um, one of the dragon dragon eggs. eggs. Um, and I, I will say like that whole scene where Renaria, like when she shows up on her dragon and basically is like, fucking kill me, Mm -hmm. do it now. This is your opportunity. And he just like backs right down. It was like, she just threw her, you know, metaphorical, uh, that's not the right word, is it? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. We were fucking imaginary dick on the table and was like, you're not going to fucking do anything, bitch. 
So it was, um, that was a pretty, pretty intense scene, but, um, I think what makes Game of Thrones has always been so good is like the villains in it. You know what I mean? Like it's obviously people can cheer for like the heroes and stuff, but it's like the villains is what makes it good. And this episode was a little different because Damon wasn't in it as much. And so there's not really many villains, I feel like, in this episode, and like screen time wise. And so um, usually like like think about like the Game of Thrones. This is like heyday, like with Ramsey or fucking Joffrey Baratheon. Like that's like when they are on the screen, it's like shit was going to happen, you know? So I feel like whenever Damon gets on the screen, it's like I feel like you get on the edge of your seat, like something crazy is going to happen with this guy. And he just wasn't in this episode often. So the biggest I'm telling you right now, the guy who's a fucking weasel is Hightower. That motherfucker is a the hand of the king is a goddamn weasel. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I don't wouldn't trust that guy as far. So there was another part of the part of it. Uh, Lord Corliss offered up his 12 um, year old daughter, uh, Lena. Princess Lena to be to marry the king. It's just weird to even um, watch that. So it really is, and like I I can't take credit for this because I saw like there's some guys on Barstool that do like a recap show of each episode, and one of them said he goes I've never like watched a show where it puts my mind in such a pretzel where I like go from being like no don't do this really weird bad like unethical thing do this other really bad unethical thing. And it was like, I've never been to watch a show where I was like, do not marry that 12 year old, marry the 15 year old. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just so goddamn fucked up. So then like, long story short, um, the, 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 the king turns down, um, Lord Corliss's offer to marry his daughter and decides to marry Allison, who was Hightower's daughter, um, and did not tell anybody about it. And needless to say, uh, Rhaenyra was not happy. Uh, Lord Corliss was not happy. Um, Hightower had a little fucking smirk on his face. Um, so, and then towards the end of the episode, uh, Lord Corliss met with Damon about, what was it? This is the Sandstones. Is that what the name of that area is? Mm-hmm. The Stepping, Stepping Stones? Stepping that Stones. Is? Maybe that's Stepping Stones. Yeah, Stepping Stones. But, yeah. Um, so I think things, you know, will pick up a decent amount on Sunday. And I think they've, I've already like read something. They already got picked up for season two. So they have. Uh, uh, that's I don't, a no-brainer. I feel like yeah. Damon. I, I I feel like like they kind of like portrayed him as like evil at first, but now that he likes Rhaenyra, like I think he respects her, and he might be one of like the only males that actually respect her. That's mm-hmm. why he gave her back the egg. That's got me like thrown for a loop. Like, okay, wait, he actually might like her, so maybe I do because she's like by far the alpha of the whole show because like she's five foot three walking around these people and just like they all bow down to her. But then when she's at the table, when she talks, they like look at her like she's an idiot. But she's obviously smart. And uh, right. I think I think her uncle actually does respect her and and knows that she would be great at the being like the head of the throne. So throne. Well, and I, and I think that is and, and it's just like in typical like in the Game of Thrones universe. Right. It's like they're going to start. Like the storylines can be, you're gonna look at Damon. Like I look at Damon, and I'm like, you know what? I'm actually don't mind the guy. I'm kind of like mm-hmm. Team Damon a little don't bit. Don't know where but to I go. I know goddamn well. I'm like three fucking episodes, and I'm like this motherfucker mm-hmm. is a prick. But I also like, like you said, Shory. I feel like with everybody like ignoring Rhaenyra and like everything she says and does, it's almost like somewhat uh, familiar as like how like Daenerys was portrayed early on in Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. where it was like nobody took her serious, nobody you know, really listen to her or whatever. And then obviously as the show progressed, you kind of learn like 
she eventually turned into like the fucking mad king or essentially um but i feel like they're the kind of the there's a lot of parallels with how Daenerys was portrayed in game of thrones and how rainier early on is being portrayed here and where the you know where everything's are going with it but um I episode two, I mean, it still brought it. I it was a, it was a little bit, like I said, it wasn't as intense. There were some pretty fucking intense scenes in season, uh, episode one, but, um, I, I thought, I thought it was a pretty good episode. Worst thing, uh, that I've read is that there's going to be like a jump into time frame. Um, so it's not going to like be consistent throughout the entire season. So the actress that plays Rainaria might be going away soon, which kind of sucks. Cause I think she's awesome. So Rhaenyra will still be in the show. Rhaenyra will still be in the show, but there's going to be like a jump oh. in the timeline. So, so like, like 30 years or something. I mean, between episode one and episode two, there was a six month, six jump, months, in, six months, month right? jump in time. So there's going to be a big enough jump where Rhaenyra will still be in the show, but it's going to be a completely new actress who is older looking than the Rhaenyra that we have now, which kind of sucks because I think this chick's badass. So, yeah. Sorry to burst your bubble. So I'm going to guess, if I had to guess, after episode three, my thought is that because the the king doesn't listen to anyone, Rhaenyra's dad, he's going to be the guy that everyone hates. Mm -hmm. He's a buffoon. So just because he, like, he's in the middle of everything right now. Like, he didn't make a decision best for his country. He didn't make a best decision for his family. He like I don't know. He's like in between everything. He just made a selfish decision, and now everybody's mad at him. Well, and his like body's rotting away, like sticking his hand in fucking oh, maggots. So, like that was disgusting. I was like, that's wild. Yeah. I uh I, I saw yeah. something about about that, and it was talking about. I think this was in the books more, and this never really was portrayed in the show. But basically, it said that if you are fit to sit on the throne, then like you know you're good. But if you're not fit to sit on it, then like the throne will reject you, and that's like why he got yeah. cut on the throne in the first episode. So basically, it's saying like he's not really fit to be king. So yeah, I, I cool. read the same thing. Yeah, it's there's a few things Love like that. after episode one that I read in terms of things that you may not know about, like certain like details of that, and that was one of them. It was like mm-hmm. little things, and I think that's maybe have been stuff that was like portrayed in books. Yeah. Um, but well, well so that's that, why that the series be... is going to kick. That's why the series, this one's going to be good is because it actually is following George R.R. R. Martin's books. Unlike the seasons like seven and eight of Game of Thrones, where they went away. Yeah, from they kind of went off on their own. So and he didn't. He and just he suggested that Game of Thrones will go like at least 10 seasons. And HBO was like, no. Yeah. Which seems kind of stupid to me. Keep yeah. that fucking money train rolling along. But anyways. It's funny. There's no other show. I feel like like we could do this on a sports podcast where we can just talk about right. a show for 15 minutes. So I am pumped. It's I back. Agree. Me too, man. All right, college football week one. Um, we're gonna do this. Uh, we're gonna st- we have five matchups. We're gonna start with probably the worst matchup of the week. Both these teams. Um, I believe have won a college football championship in the, during the yes. playoffs. I think so. Yeah. Uh, we got Florida state LSU. This game is being played in new Orleans, um, but it is kind of a neutral site still, even though it's kind of a home game for LSU being played at the Saints stadium. This is uh, actually Sunday night, seven thirty ABC LSU got your coach there. Gola, Brian Kelly. I know you love him a lot. Um, <laughs> Coming in there. I don't know if he can shake things up. I loved Ogeron when he was there. So, but what do you guys think? 
Uh, I mean, look, I think this is LSU has no business losing this game. Florida State's been they haven't been really relevant since 16. They made the college playoff football playoff then. But ever since then, they've been perfectly average. Last year, they finished 73rd in the country out of 130 teams, points per game for the offense, 69th in points per game for the defense. They, they're just an average team. And I know they're trying to they're trying to make strides to get back to like that national dominance. Dominance, I just don't I just don't think they're gonna do it. I, I not anytime soon. Um you know, like you look at what they last last year in the second quarter, they were outscored 135 to 54, which you really I mean you can't fucking do that. Yikes. Um in regards to LSU, yeah, they have they have Kelly. I mean, I think Kelly long term is gonna turn the pro turn this, you know, program around. I wasn't a big Orgeron fan. I think I don't think he was that good of a coach. I think he caught lightning in a bottle with arguably the best college quarterback ever. Like and wide receivers. And wide receivers yeah. ever. Like and, and I think like once he lost all that talent, you see what happened last year and they just weren't very good. But Brian Kelly is a winner. He's and I say winner, I mean he's not won national titles at like the the big time level, but he gets he's consistently getting every team he's in winning 10, 11, you know, games a year. So He's going to continue to do that at LSU eventually. Um, they have a, they have Jaden Daniels is an ASU transfer. He's probably going to be their starter. Um, he put up some solid numbers at Arizona State. Um, Kayshawn Butte is arguably he's a first round talent, probably a top ten pick in the draft next year if he stays healthy. Kid's an absolute fucking superstar. Played six games last year, had a, over 500 yards and nine touchdowns. Um, I just think they're better up up front on both sides of the ball than Florida State is. I don't think Florida State has a fucking chicken dick's chance in hell of winning this game. Um, so LSU's LSU, Florida State's Florida State. Yeah, no, I have to say, I, I think I think LSU is comfortable winning this. And for me, it's for Kelly usually wins the games he's supposed to. Yeah, it's the big games that like Kenny get over the top. Uh, he hasn't quite been that guy yet to, to bring his team you know, in the games that he shouldn't win to go win. So, like, he's going to have a hard time being LSU and going into Alabama to upset that Alabama. But I think uh, being the favorite um, versus FSU, I think that I think that they'll have a good time. I mean, they haven't really even – I don't think they even announced their quarterback yet, right? Um, no, they, they haven't. They, Kelly says he knows who it is, but he wouldn't. He right. Won't, he won't it's a secret. Yeah. Fuck, yeah. But, one, one other thing real quick about LSU, just real quick, Shory, is yep. they need to close games out last year. They were outscored 113 to 30 in the fourth quarter. Like you're not going to win many fucking football games getting outscored by 80, 83 points in the, in, the, in the final quarter. It's pathetic. Yeah, and and Florida State knows their quarterback. It's Jordan Travis, who is really talented, um, but he gets hurt a lot. But the talent's there. It's just if he can put it together and stay on the field. But I just don't think the pieces around him can match what LSU can do. Athletic ability and and. You know, that SEC football of being physicality. I mean, I think you're going to hear these on these these five games that we look at as a lot of SEC teams. And I just think you're going to keep hearing me say physicality and yeah. speed is just different than every other conference. Um, so unless you're, you know, Ohio State and you can run with them, uh, it's it's hard to do everything that like every one of their guys are t- top tier level of speed and physical physical players. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's just the difference, like you said, of the SEC and the ACC. Outside of like Clemson, yeah, 
the, the ACC just can't hang with most schools in the SEC, especially the top tier. Like LSU is a arguably like it's a top seven program in the country, no matter how you cut it. I mean, it's one of the most desirable jobs I would imagine in the fucking college football. And they're they're gonna get they own the state of Louisiana when it comes to recruiting. Like yeah. I feel like you go down like nobody else really goes to Louisiana and out recruits himself. Um what I, what I was gonna say is usually I know this isn't really technically a home game for LSU because it's at the same stadium and I get that, but this is technically still a home game for them. Usually spreads give three points automatically just to the home team right away. And this game is a three point spread. So you guys are talking a lot of stuff like this is definitely LSU's game to win, but like Vegas, I don't really think it sees it that way. So um, I think if Vegas is ever going to get stuff wrong, it's usually week one before we really know who teams are, who we know who teams are going to be starting and all that. But um, it's, it's, I feel like we haven't seen Florida state's name even in the mix since Jameis Winston was there, which was what 2014 or something, 15, something like that. So yeah, they went to the playoff in 16, 16. Okay. Um, we'll see. Uh, one odd thing, which is kind of funny about this is that, uh, last year, Louisiana, the raging Cajuns actually finished in the top 25 LSU did not. So I'm sure that has not happened many times for the state of Louisiana. Probably not. All right, you know moving. Coach was Louisiana. Billy it's, Napier. It's Napier went to Florida. It is Napier. So it is yep. yep. Moving on. Let's go right to Billy Napier's squad here. Ooh, I'll we, go. I'll go. I've been waiting for this one. We got Utah, um, traveling to the swamp, playing Florida. Utah is ranked seventh in the nation. Utah is only favored by three here. Uh, this game Saturday night, ESPN. All right, Shuri. <laughs> Yeah, I'll start with Utah. Cam Rising quarterback is actually really, really, really good. Uh, and super – I remember I watched him last year, and he's just – his confidence is, is through the roof, which is – I think I love that. Like, if you're, you're a college guy, think about, like, all the good ones, Manziel, Lamar, uh, uh, Baker. Baker. They were so confident. And, and Cam Rising's that guy. So – can can Florida knock him off his feet, knock him off his spot? We'll see. Um, Utah has to be able to run the ball to beat Florida. Um, that's pretty obvious. They even you know they have Ryzen. They have always like the last four or five years. They won the Pac Pac-12 last year. They run the ball better than anyone. Um, I think they finished fourth. Oh no, tenth in the country in running the ball. Uh, fourth in pass protection. So like they obviously are physical in their front line. Um, Let's see. And then the other big thing on the other side I have is like, how do they fill Devin Lloyd leaving there as a, as a middle linebacker went in the first round of the draft this year. And one of the guys they got was DiBiate who led the Gators in tackles last year. That was one of the guys they got from the transfer portal. So that will be interesting to see how he plays against his former team, which I think is interesting. And then for Florida side for me is, Anthony Richardson. It's like one name, one person. That's all you need to know. Napier, can you control him and, and have him control the game? Like, obviously, the talent, you know, you you look on some mocks and, like, it's like, okay, seventh-round guy. And you look on some, it's the seventh pick overall. It's like this guy has all the talent in the world. He has Cam Newton skills. Can he put it together and be that guy? Um, it will be interesting. And then Florida, same thing. Can they run the ball? They have really good running backs. They have ETN's brother that's coming in as a freshman. They have other running backs that are, one's powerful, one's 
uh, more of like a scat back. And then Anthony Richardson can obviously run the ball. He's six foot five, does runs like a four four. I don't know if you guys have seen him. He can literally just stand there and do a backflip and a front flip. It's just incredible how athletic this kid is. Um, and their biggest issue last year was penalties and discipline. Like they just don't know how yeah. to be disciplined. They didn't know how to win. Like I, I loved, I can't even think of the coach's name last year. Um, but yeah, his wife was like kissing players all the fucking yeah, yeah. time. Yeah, we always with the vibe. He's a coach from Mississippi. He used to kiss God the kids. Uh, Anyways, he like he's a great play caller. It's Jay just like he, right? Yeah, Mullen couldn't fucking Dan get Mullen. him to like be winners and like be in the big moment and make a big play. It was like if they made a sack on third down, they were so excited they like got a you know 15 yard penalty for taunting. It's like just be like know who you are you guys are so talented florida brings in a top 10 class the last you know 10 15 years of recruiting now that's time to like put these guys together and, and make them actually a team and not just be you know loose cannons out there um so that's that's my biggest thing florida on the defensive side they run a 3-3-5 they're supposed to i'm not a huge fan of that i hate the new 3-3-5s it doesn't mean you're physical i mean it usually leaves holes in the run game and i actually think that utah would be able to exploit that so um yeah Sure, you covered most of it, man. I, I think the big, the first thing I wrote was this: see, this team in this season for Florida is all about Anthony Richardson. It depends on how, what his progression looks like. If he starts to tap into the potential that a lot of people see out of them, Florida's going to be a dangerous team to play because he's a fucking electric factory, both throwing the football and running. And I, and he, they're going to need him because they lost their top three rushes from a season ago. Their defense finished tenth. Not in the country, in the SEC in scoring defense. So their defense was not very good. Um, as Shorey touched on, Florida was penalized 104 times for almost a, like just over 900 yards, like 70 yards a game. Like you're not going to win. There, that's like you can't, you can't do that. You're just undisciplined. Um, and and on the Utah side, I mean, a lot of people are saying Utah is the favorite along with USC in the Pac-12. They're they're even getting a lot of you know pop about them possibly you know winning the Pac-12 and getting to the college football playoff. Um, big thing, like Shory said, as far as Utah goes, they return. They're very physical up front. They returned three starters on offensive line that only let up 13 sacks last year, which is a ridiculous number. Uh, Cameron Rising, 3,000 all-purpose yards, 26 touchdowns. Their running back, Tavion Thomas, is a fucking brute. He's six foot two, 221. He racked up over 1,100 all-purpose yards and 21 touchdowns last year. So for me, I think the Swamp is a very difficult place to play. They're going to be juiced up, I think, with the new coach, Anthony Richardson, coming into town, uh, starting over. But I, I just think that Utah's offensive line, Utah's experience is going to eventually wear Florida down. Um, and Florida, the Florida defense was 85th in the country out of 130 schools last year uh, against the run last year. So they weren't very good, and that's one thing that Utah does very well, and that's pound the football. So I just think eventually they're, they're going to wear Florida down. I think the game's going to be close, I, but I do like I do like Utah in this one in a close one. I uh, I Utah was my fourth team into the college football playoffs. I think that they beat Florida as well. Um, I don't think I heard this guy's name yet, but the, probably the best pro prospect in this entire game is cornerback for Utah, Clark Phillips. Um, this dude's got a knack for not only getting picks, but actually returning picks to the house. Um, so we'll see if he can make an impact in the game. One I, I listened to because to like learn about these, I went on podcasts for like these teams. And one thing um, that I learned, I forgot what I was going to say. Why did I lose my train of thought? 
Oh, for Utah, they they're calling this the biggest like regular season game they've had in the like the last 30 years. And it's like. That just shows how big it is for Utah. They're number seven. Florida's unranked. But also for Florida, like Napier's just starting his program. And like if they win this, I think they like legit move up into the top 15 right at, right out of the gate. I think they move up into the top 15 by beating number seven team. Even if you know it's at home. But I think that it's it's like which way the arrow is going to go for either team. Is Florida going to go up? Right. And or, oh, are we in for another shit year? Or Utah, you weren't that good. Like you like they were they were lying about you. Pac-12 is right. Like you guys are all pussies. But and then I guess it all depends too. It's like one of those ones. Like I think and I know there's like no like moral victories, but you know if Utah goes down there and and punches them in the mouth and wins by fucking two or three scores, as a Florida fan or people looking at you know Florida's outlook for the season, you're kind of like, hmm, you know, they just got their mouth, mm-hmm. you know, got their shit pushed in by 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 Utah. But if they hang with Utah and it's a close game and and they even if they lose by you know a field goal or even one score. I think it's going to be like, look at it as a victory for Florida. Cause they haven't been very good lately. Sure. I mean, you no. know that. And I think if and people are saying Utah is one of the best teams in the country, I mean, they were ranked preseason number seven. So I think, but I, it goes, it's, it goes this, this, the other way too, because I think if Utah loses, then people are going to be like, is a pac 12 really that good? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This exactly. is supposed That's, to be the best team. This game is monstrous so, for like both these schools. perception. I agree. For the schools more than it is for like the playoff pitcher. Agreed. Uh, I feel like the Pac-12 gets a lot of disrespect and rightfully so. They haven't been that good. So I think they need this win because I think even if they, I mean, if they were to lose this game and then run the table and then win the Pac-12, I still don't even know if the committee puts them in just because the committee could be scratching their heads and being like, maybe two SEC schools deserve it over them if they lost to Florida to start the game. So. Yeah, they would need help. Because, they, yeah. you know, I mean, if you looked at, like you said, if there was a one-loss SEC school sitting there, even without a conference, champion, conference mm-hmm. championship. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. All right, let's get into the top 25 matchups. <clears throat> we got a Saturday 3.30 game. We got uh, number 23, Cincy, which was a college football team, uh, playoff team last year, who got the shit kicked out of them by, was it Bama, I think? Uh, yeah. Going against number 19, Arkansas. What, what six, did you see the line at? Six and a half for oh, Arkansas. Nice. This game is being played at Razorback Stadium. Arkansas is home, obviously, for this one. Um, obviously, since he had a huge year last year, 13-1, only loss was to Bama. Um, and then uh, Arkansas, decent year, 9-4. and four. They finished 21st in the nation last year. So not a bad year for Arkansas, considering they play in the gauntlet of the SEC. Yeah, so I think the, the Arkansas's best player is a quarterback, KJ Jefferson. He's a dual threat guy. You throw over 3,300 yards um, from scrimmage last year, 27 touchdowns, and I think the most impressive thing about it, he only threw four interceptions. So um, I would imagine he takes a step forward um, again this year. Um, they did lose Traylon Burks to the draft, but I think that uh, Jefferson's dual threat ability is certainly something that. Um, can offset that a little bit. And they did. They do return two running backs that had over 550 yards on the ground last year. Um, to me, that this number 23 ranking for Cincinnati is a nod to what they did last year. Um, you know, they lost their starting quarterback in Desmond Ritter. They lost arguably the best defensive player in the country in Sauce Gardner. They do return all five of their starters on the offensive line, and three of them were all conference guys. Um, but they lost their best running back, Jerome Ford. He had uh, just under 1,600 yards, all-purpose, and 20 touchdowns. 
Their defense lost five or six starters, including their top two cornerbacks. Um, I think they're going to win games this year because I just don't think they play in a very good conference. But um, I think it's a big ask with that much turnover on the defensive side of the football and at the quarterback position to go to a school in the SEC that seems like they're coming, you know, they're coming around. I like Arkansas. I like Arkansas big. Um, I just think Jefferson's going to eat eat the Cincinnati's defensive live on uh, Saturday. And a little fun stat: last season Cincinnati only let up 13 passing touchdowns the entire fucking season. Wow, that's impressive. It's fucking Incredible. nuts. I so I agree with all that. Fickle to me, head coach of Cincinnati. I really believe in him, and I love that he stay he's staying there. So. I, I think that I, like, I have all high praise for him, but you're not Ohio State. You're not Bama. You're not Georgia. You're not a team that can like just lose five to six really good players and just turn over a roster and be like playoff ready or top 25 ready. Like I think that he's going to take a little bit to build up his roster. I don't even think he's named a starting quarterback yet, and he has three guys that he's choosing. Like He already knows who they are. Same thing as LSU, but the fact that you don't have like a clear cut number one is always scary to me. Um, so I believe in you, Cincy, but I I don't believe in you Saturday. Um, mm-hmm. Arkansas, on the other hand, it just seems like every time I look at their offensive line, it's the biggest I've ever seen. Like it's 330 <laughs> to 350 pound, six foot, like guards at six foot seven. It's nuts. Um, and they're just big, big dudes. They're not like the best play, best linemen, but they are monsters. And uh, I'm I believe they I believe they'll block well for KJ. I think he's the best player in this game. And uh, he'll probably have a good day. He'll have a good season. Like when you think of all the teams that have like won national championships other than Georgia, they usually have a really good quarterback. And KJ is actually a really, really good quarterback. So I just think that he's going to keep like everybody calm for, for Arkansas. Like it's a big game. We know that you're, well, I don't know the last time they've been this high ranked at the start of a season, but like he'll keep everybody in check and he, you know, they should roll. I think against Cincinnati. Uh, one name we haven't talked about, maybe one of the best names in all of college football, linebacker for Arkansas, Bumper Pool. Yeah. <laughs> this dude's actually pretty legit, like had 100 mm-hmm. plus tackles the last two seasons. Um, he's solid. Yeah. I imagine Arkansas runs away with it since he lost too much. But we just had to get Bumper Pool's name in there. That's great. Thank you. You got it, dude. All right. Now we get into some big dog matchups here. We talk about big dog matchups, but Vegas does not think they're big dog matchups. Saturday at 3.30 on ABC, we got uh, Oregon, number 11 in the country, traveling to number three, Georgia. This game is at a neutral site. Technically, it's at the Falcon Stadium, still kind of a home game for Georgia. Uh, Line at this game is 17 points favored for Georgia. Uh, I'll start with Oregon side. Bo Nix is back to Georgia. Um, he's 0-3, but he's back. So I can't imagine, like, all right, I'm getting out of the SEC. It's not really working out. Um, I had a great first game, but it's not working out. I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to Oregon. Fuck, I gotta go back to Georgia to play Georgia my first game. Um, tough, tough break. And I think the head coach for Oregon is Lanning, right? Is that? Yeah, Dan Lanning. And Dan Lanning was the defensive coordinator at Georgia. So mm-hmm. uh, it's just two guys that are familiar with Georgia. So that to me actually tells me like, okay, well this, this moment's not too big. Like there's guys that have been there and landing obviously knows them really well. Um, 
Oregon had the second best D line in football last year, apparently, um, which is funny because the number one ranked defensive line was Michigan. And we saw what Georgia did to Michigan's D line last year. So the, the whole D line, like where they rank to me means absolutely nothing. It should be interesting. They have um, two of the best linebackers at Oregon uh, in Flo and, and Noah Sewell. Um, so they have some guys that should be able to play and play in the front seven because we know Georgia's like whole game plan is to be more physical than everybody. Um, will they be able to run on Georgia? Who knows? Like Georgia's best player, I'm drawing a blank, blank on his name, but is there's defensive lineman. Jalen Carter. Carter. Yeah, there we go. Jalen Carter is just a monster. Um, a lot of people say that he might be the best of the front seven guys to go in the last two years, which is some pretty damn high praise because there's some stars that came out last year alone. So um, it will be interesting to see, but I think everyone knows Kirby Smart has really turned this program into, in my opinion, a powerhouse. And they're even like, to me, they're like disrespected. Like this is a powerhouse that recruits top five classes after top five classes. Um, I think you're going to see multiple guys end up going in the first round, guys that we don't know of that couldn't get on the field because there was superstars in front of them. A lot like when Alabama happens, you know, they have guys that don't play and then the next year they play and you're like, who the hell is Christian Barmore? He didn't even play the year before. Well, that's because the guy in front of him was a first round draft pick too. And that's what, mm. that's what, that's what Kirby smarts building over at Georgia. And they're going to run the ball. They're going to run the ball all day. Um, we know that they're going to be physical. I think that they control this game from front to end. I really do. Um, we'll see. Yeah, sure. You touched on most of it. Most of it, dude. I mean, they, the Georgia defending defending national champions, Stetson Bennett returns a quarterback. He's oh, he's fine. He's perfectly fine for as good of a team as they are defensively in the way they run the football. Uh, they did lose their top two running backs, Amir White and James Cooks, Cook. But they do have arguably they do have the best tight end in football, and he might be the best like weapon in all of college football yeah. in general. And that's Brock Bowers. He's a first round pick, tight end. He's a fucking machine. Um, you know they did lose eight guys. Uh, did have eight guys drafted in the first three rounds, um, and they lost their DC to Oregon. So, one thing about Georgia, they get out and they get out quick. They outscored their opponents 163 to 25 in the first quarter last year. So, um, they got out early. Um, as far as Oregon goes, sure, we touched base on it. They got a new new quarterback in Bo Nix, who's had an up and down career at Auburn. New the new head coach. They lost their top wide receiver to the NFL, their top running back, Travis Dye, who had a smidge under 1,700 all-purpose yards and 18 touchdowns, transferred to USC. I just think there's way too much turnover on the offensive side of the ball um, for them to stay in this game. I don't – I think if I was putting money on it, I, I think I'd just avoid this game altogether because I don't know where, where I want to go. My my head tells me Georgia's going to cover this easy, but then I'm like they lost so fucking much on both sides of the ball that I think Oregon can keep it close. Um, either way, I don't care. It's a neutral site game. It's in Atlanta. It's, it's Georgia. Um, I don't think, I don't think Oregon sniffs this game um, as far as the win goes. But I'm taking, I'd take the dogs. So before I saw the line on this, I was thinking Oregon has a chance to win this game. I think 17, it seems like way too much to overcome. Vegas isn't wrong by that much. I do think Oregon would cover the 17 on this. I think that they, 
I feel like 17 is too much for this. I think the fact that uh, the defensive coordinator, I think, will landing obviously with that team with Oregon, I think that is a huge advantage, Oregon, going into this game. But you guys have touched on it. Like, Jalen Carter is the best defensive tackle prospect. Uh, Brock Bowers is one of the best tight ends. They did get a transfer from LSU, I think it said. Eric Gilbert, he came from Arizona, so he didn't play last year. But they're saying he might be the best tight end prospect in the nation. Keely Ringo is the best cornerback prospect in the entire nation. Um, I'm pretty sure he had the game-winning interception last year in this championship game to seal it, so that he was a famous down there. And just like Gola said, Stenson Bennett is ranked 10th best player on that team. And when you have a quarterback returning after a championship year and he's the 10th best player on your team, your team's going to be pretty solid. Yeah. So One thing like Steph- after like listening to fucking – some podcasts is I have realized that Georgia is enemy number one for the entire country. They, Oh yeah. Oh my God. They just can't like the guys were like, all right, let's look at this from like Oregon side. And they just couldn't stop laughing. They were like, this is not, they can't even like sniff the field with us. They, <laughs> they shouldn't even tie their shoes. They should just walk away from the field. Cause we're going to kill them so bad. That's basically what it was. And then the guys on the next game we preview, like we're a live one and they had like a chat. And he's like, well, the fucking Georgia fans just shut the fuck up during our live chat because they just couldn't stop chirping in about it. He's like, why are Georgia fans even here? And uh, I couldn't just couldn't believe how arrogant. I only listened to two of them, but that was four people, and they were the most arrogant people I've ever heard in my life. So <laughs> you're my enemy. Takes a lot to bump Bama off that spot, dude, for being most hated. So that's what happens when you win, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. All right, in our final matchup, we're going uh, Saturday, 7.30 ABC. This one is at the Horseshoe in Ohio State. Number five, Notre Dame travels to number two, Ohio State. Marcus Freeman's in his first year there. I think it's pretty cool. Obviously, he was a defensive coordinator at Notre Dame before, but Marcus Freeman played college football at Ohio State. I don't really think that benefits them at all in the game, but I still think it's pretty cool for him in this situation. Um, Notre Dame is underdogs in this game by 17 points as well same spread as georgia oregon i'm sure gola is super excited for this game nervous i'm sure he is a little pessimistic on the outcome is my (laughs) guess yeah so jump i'll jump right into it uh ohio state's the most they have arguably the most talented offense in the fucking country they return cj stroud who i think is the best quarterback in the country you have Travion Henderson, Jackson Smith, Najigba. Um, you know, they they ha- they averaged over 560 yards of offense and 45 points a game last year. Um, they did lose two first-round talents at wide receiver in Olave and Wilson. Uh, defensively, they were okay. They finished 30th in the country. Um, but they, they were able to get scored on. I mean, there was five games where they let up over 30, four of which were over 35, and they let up over, over 40 twice. So, um you know, teams could score on them, but the, the issue was they were just getting outscored, so it didn't really fucking matter all that much. Um, I do think that Ohio State may be the best team in the country, um, so I do think it's going to be an extremely uphill battle for Notre Dame. Um, some of those reasons is they they have a sophomore quarterback, Tyler Buckner. It's his first start. Um, I would rather them him start, make his first career start against, like, Eastern Michigan or something and not fucking at the horseshoe against Ohio state. Um, he's a dual threat guy though. I mean, he has a different dynamic to the offense compared to what they had last year with Jack Cohn. Um, Notre Dame lost their top wide, uh, top running back in Kyron Williams to the draft and the top wide receiver, Kevin Austin. Um, 
they do have, again, probably he's going to be a first-round pick this year, no doubt, unless he gets hurt as at tight end Michael Mayer. Um, he wears 87. If you watch him play and you put him in a Patriots jersey, he looks exactly like fucking Gronk, the way he moves and everything. Um, then they have, you know, they do have arguably, you know, one of the best defensive ends in the, in, in the country in Isaiah Foskey. Um, but I think the key to Notre Dame and what the, in order for them to have any shot at this game is they need to look to November 27th of 2001 and look what Michigan did to Ohio State on the ground. And I think Notre Dame's got a, an experienced offensive line. Both their tackles are very good. They have a first-round, first, second-round talent in Jarrett Patterson, who plays guard. Um, so Notre Dame, in order to have a shot at this fucking game, needs to run the football, and they need to run it effectively, and they need to keep C.J. Stroud off the field. Um because I just don't think this Notre Dame's offense is built to come back in games if they get down 14, 17 points. Um, unfortunately, I do not think that's going to happen. Um, I, like I said, it's I, the spread, and I think the outcome of this game is more indicative on how fucking nasty Ohio State is than more or less than how than about Notre Dame. Um, I do think Notre Dame's going to win 10 games this year. 10, 11 games this year because I do think they're talented enough to win every other game on their schedule other than this one. But I just think Ohio State's way too damn good. And I just, you know, I unfortunately, I think it, I the game could get ugly quick. Early and, early and quick. Ohio State has that tendency to do that to teams. <clears throat> With that said, like game said, played in Columbus, Ohio at the Horseshoe. The horse it went down Wikipedia on this one. The horseshoe was built in 1922 for a guy named Chick Harley. Chick Harley played before the Heisman Award came out, but he was the best player in college football his senior year. Chick Harley, they had 20,000 fans. They wanted to improve their stadium to 60,000, so that's why they built the horseshoe. The first game they had, 20,000 fans showed up out of 60,000 seats. They were all nervous, and everyone in the country called them idiots for building such a big stadium. And then came along a game versus Michigan, which they sold out within minutes. So, and it's sold out ever since, basically. But now it fits supposedly 102,780 people, but their biggest game ever is 110,000 people, which just like take a second, think about it. Chick Harley makes this stadium a name for you to remember now 110,000 people can go to this game and it's just like that's amazing to me that that 110,000 people want to go to this game and pay big money to go see a college football team uh I think that's now on my bucket list like to go to a big house and then go to the horseshoe I think that would be really cool just to jump off of that real quick we broadcast from Maine Portland is the biggest city in Maine, and this population of Portland is 66,706. Wow. that's You couldn't have timed that any better. Good find. That's incredible. Crazy. Just a little history. All right, now to the game. I think that <clears throat> I think you have to – the only way you can beat an Ohio State, to me, if you're Notre Dame and a first-time coach and a first-time quarterback, um, is to like find the areas that they that they're not as good at. And Ryan O'Day is not good actually being in the red zone. So if you keep get him into the red zone, make him take like smaller attempt plays than it is the big plays, and you keep them from scoring touchdowns, which is really hard to do because when their wide receivers get space, it just seems like they always have great 
wide receivers. I think Jackson Smith is the guy this year. He's supposed to be a top 10 pick. He's unbelievable. Uh, Marvin Harrison's no, does he go to Ohio? Yeah. Marvin Harrison's so. son is Ohio State's second wide receiver, I think. Also very good. And these guys take, you know, 30-yard runs, catches, and they seem to be in stride, and they just take them to the house because they have one safety to make miss, and it's over. Um, so if you can keep them in front of you and make them try to earn it from the red zone instead of, like, getting the big plays, Ryan O'Day's team finishes in, like, the top 45% for all the weapons he has. That's ridiculous. He should be in the top, you know, top 5% and, and really – put on point. So if, if Notre Dame can hold in the field goals, I think that's huge. And then on the flip side, Notre Dame has to turn drives, not into three points, but into the seven points, they have to finish drives. Um, and like you said, Ohio state's defense really wasn't good last year. So did they make the jump? We'll find out right away because they really weren't good. It was, people just think that they're unbeatable, but there was games where their defense struggled. So <clears throat> Yeah, and kind of going on what you're saying, Shory, as far as the red zone. Last year, Notre Dame's uh, scoring, not, and then that's field goal and touchdowns. But Notre Dame scored at a 66% clip in the red zone last year and held their opponents at a 38%. So yeah, um, they can build off of that. And I do think that Notre Dame's the <laughs> strongest unit of Notre Dame um, is their secondary. I think they have three guys that are going to be playing on Sundays. And Clarence Lewis, they're one of their corners. Cam Hart's their other corner. And then Brandon Joseph, the transfer from Northwestern, who's an All-American, who's a he's a stud. So I do think their strong suit is their safeties. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, is their secondary. Um, but just like anything else, like I said, CJ Stroud can't sit back there for fucking ten minutes, ten minutes passing the football. They're gonna have to get some pressure on him. Yep. Get pressure on him. Run the football effectively. Notre Dame will have a chance. Um, if they can't run the football and they can't get the pressure on Stroud or even, you know, get in his face a little bit. It's gonna right. it's gonna be ugly. Because I think they'll score some points on Ohio State. I really do. So um I, think I like you're right. Buckner. I do. I think Buckner, like I, I think Buckner is gonna be a very good quarterback um eventually in his career. I just it's a it's a tall task going in. But you know what? I, I okay, I wanna like say this. I'm gonna preface this. Go for it. Part of me, like obviously I want Notre Dame win to win. Part of me wants nothing to fucking do with them winning this game because that fucking hype train, if they do, and my Ooh. expectations, if they beat Ohio State, is going to be so fucking high. And then three weeks later, when they lose to fucking North Carolina or BYU, I want to jump off fucking Veterans Bridge in Rumford. Mm. But it's just, I see, that's the only thing that fucks me because you guys know as well as I will, I know more than you guys, the heartbreak that comes with fucking Notre Dame every goddamn year. And if they go into Columbus and beat Ohio State on Saturday, I, I don't know what I'm going to do because I'm just going to be the rest of the season. I'm going to be like, they're going to break my heart. When are they going to break my heart? When are they going to fucking do it? What a fucking me. take by you, dude. Yep. It's going to fucking, you know, you honestly, to Kev, fucking game. That's why life as a Florida fan is so much better because I know by early October, if we're not in it and like, we're a one in every 20 year team where we can, and we have like that quarterback that brings you to a national championship where Notre Dame just gets a heart ripped out every year, which is right. from the outside is just so fun to watch and just do like yeah. to see like, that happening and have so many friends apparently in Maine that are Notre Dame fans and just the misery that they go through to me is like one of the best feelings in the world. Goal, would you rather Notre Dame goes nine and four and misses college football playoffs or would you rather them go like 12 and 0, make college football playoffs and then lose in college football playoffs? 12 and 0. Right, so I, why I, don't I, you I, want I, them to win this game then? You want no them to win this game? No way. 
Oh, I disagree. I don't want to be a part of it if I get my heart ripped out. Like, it just ruins me for two oh, weeks. Oh, my You would rather gosh. your team, what you, your team has been fucking in this way for, like, the lot since, like, 2014. Absolutely. Completely. So you would rather a team go seven and six and be completely irrelevant than, like, at least have that glimmer of hope yeah. that you're going to climb that mountain. But to know that, that is, I'm going to win a Super Bowl, I mean, a, a national championship, like, once every 20 years. Yeah. That is a ridiculous take, dude. Like, it's so like too. you would rather know your team be irrelevant ha- for 19 but fucking your team doesn't years. win so like a national championship I, but to know that my team wins a national championship like every once in a while every like 20 years and then well actually oh yeah i mean i was oh six oh eight so, so you, you better billy napier better get his fucking head out of his ass pretty quickly to fucking it might not be going. napier might be might not be might be the next coach that is it is the guy. I'm just saying I'd rather win a national championship okay, once every who, 20 uh, years than who never. Who wins the national championship before? Notre Dame or Florida? Who wins it? Who wins one before the night? Who wins exactly. The it's Ooh, Florida. Let's put a little bet on that. No, it's not Florida, dude. That's what you're missing. You're missing the point that like these teams like Florida State, Florida, LSU, they just they catch the lightning in a bottle because they have like good talent and then they finally find that quarterback. They just ride where you have like really good recruits and and, and really good kids. But you don't have those dogs out Maybe of Maybe Freeman changes that, dude. You ain't got the dogs. Maybe the other way, though, Kev. Like, it could go the other way. Not not many coaches are Ryan O'Day where they just walk on as never coaches and become uh, a superstar guy. I, I'm a little nervous that that's not going to – and I actually have it written down that that's the case. Is like Brian Kelly was really good, and he's a really good game manager. Yeah. You guys could really regret this. Letting him, letting him there, go to LSU. Well, we didn't I let think him there's go. like five colleges. In Notre, the Dame was gonna, Notre Dame was going to do whatever they could to keep him, and he wanted nothing to do with it. Then, well, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't if, know. If there's always money the that can bring leave. somebody back. Always. And Notre Dame is I mean, I guess, but they're not going to pay. He's getting paid $13 million a year or $12 million a year from LSU. Notre Dame's going to be, we'll give you 20 I'm just saying. No, I, uh, I agree. Like, if he he's not a national champion, so you just don't. But I agree with that decision. But I'm saying, like, it might be not – like, it might be the other end of the spectrum where it's not great that, you know, they have a new coach and a guy who doesn't oh, have experience. I, listen, I agree. I, I mean, I like Freeman, but I'm not – I'm not – I don't know what I'm going to get out of him. I know the players love him, mm-hmm. which, is, which is a good thing in, in, in somewhat of a sense, but I don't know – I don't know, man. I, yeah, you don't know. It could be awesome. Still, I would, I would still rather my team win 10, 11 games every year and have that sliver of hope that they climb the mountaintop and get it done every and have that chance every year, than go seven and six for fucking fourteen straight seasons and then have one good year and then be mediocre again for the next fifteen. I, I'd rather have my heart ripped out every year. I just know over the last thirty years we have three national championships, so it's like. I know you do. So, like, actually, it's really like almost every ten years you're winning one, and then Listen, you know wait, we're wait, good wait, for wait, one wait, year wait. and we're bad. Did you bad just say we? Year. Did you just say we? Yeah, definitely we. Like you had a part of that. Uh, as a fan who buys tickets and then Fuck pretty much you. pays you the bought salary for this that coach. year, dude. You bought tickets this year. You fucking. I, I and your wife bought them. Listen, your wife bought the goddamn tickets. I can't tickets. take. The She's money more of a fan than you are, dude. All right. Um, all right. Top 10 this year, college football. I'm going to ask you guys a question about the top 10. I sent you guys the picture. So if you need to, if you forget who I said, Bama one, Ohio state two, Georgia three, Clemson four, Notre Dame five, Texas A&M six, Utah seven, Michigan eight, Oklahoma nine, Baylor 10. 
which of those teams most likely will not even finish in the top 25? Not in the, oh, not in the top 25? Or do you think all 10 of those teams will be in the top 25 oh, at the no. end of the year? No, yeah, no, 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 I think no. they Somebody all fall out. You think all, tw- you think all, all 10 of those finish in the top 25? Um, I think it's pretty common where a top 10 team in the preseason falls out. Yeah, if I had to say one, and I and I'm I, I'm basing this off like what I really want to happen. I think Florida beats Utah right out of the gate. That mm-hmm. drops that drops Utah to probably like twenty ish because there's no way they're they're higher than Florida after that. And then uh, another loss to like say Oregon or Stanford or something like that. And then yeah, I think that yeah. they're really struggling well, to get the top. Where, where do you see this? So I look at and I just started thinking like I'm looking at Notre Dame right. Look looking at Notre Dame schedule. So say Notre Dame, well, we can all probably assume they're going to lose to Ohio State. Then after that, say they win, say they win the rest of the games, but they lose to Clemson and USC. Notre Dame finishes nine and three. Goes on whatever they win a bowl game, whatever. Like nine and three with the schedule they have, regardless if they, that's still going to keep them in the top twenty-five. Okay. Yeah. Like I feel like Notre Dame would have to go. No, I'm just you. I'm just trying to talk through this. I'm. I feel like some of these teams are gonna have. They're gonna have to go like eight and four, seven and six, or seven and five to finish. So I. I don't, dude. I don't fucking know. Well, if you think all ten, if you think all ten are, then I think all tens go. I think all ten stay in the top twenty-five. That's a fucking bitch way out of that one, dude. I'll tell you that right now. Um, all right. You want me to give you one? I'll give you one. Oklahoma. Too much turnover. Dylan Gabriel is not a bad quarterback, but I think the I think Baylor's the best best team in the Big 12. I think Oklahoma State's good. Um, I haven't even looked at their fucking schedule. Texas has improved. I'm saying Oklahoma finishes outside. There you go. You wanted a take? I'll give you a take. You gave me a take. I want to, I'm just looking something up real quick. If, uh, if I get the right one. No, I don't. I, I don't still know. feel like Michigan. Michigan's gonna blow some fucking games too. So, I think there's multiple. Yeah, Michigan. Dude, I think I I agree. Like Michigan, Michigan was carried mostly by the. I mean, they had a good run game. Don't get me wrong. And that's what beat mm-hmm. Ohio State. But their defense carried them most of the way, and their two best defensive players are gone. Yeah, one's pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty solid. Uh, I mean, like 2021, Clemson was preseason number two in the nation, and they sucked that year, and they didn't finish in the top 25. I mean, so it's definitely possible. It's even possible oh, yeah. for a two-team in the nation to do it, you know? So I don't remember if there was injuries that year or something. I don't even remember if Trevor Lawrence was still there in 2021, but, I mean, it's possible. Um, Do you think that there's any team outside the top 10 this year that can make a run at the college football playoffs? Or do you think the call, the top four teams for the college football playoffs is one of these 10 teams in the top 10? No. Well, I think I, I originally said I had Oklahoma, I believe in my, in my final four. And the more I think about it, I really like USC's chances. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good I team. I love Caleb, Caleb Williams as the quarterback is probably Arguably the top like talent in the country. So, see, here's my thing with USC, 
and maybe this is me just hating USC because I just don't like them either, but Caleb Williams is a fantastic talent. They did get a lot of guys back, a lot of players on the offensive side of the ball in the transfer portal. Um, and Lincoln Riley's a very good coach. USC's defense was fucking horrible last year. They were really fucking bad. So for me, like with USC, I feel like they're going to have to do what Ohio State did last year and like score 50 fucking points a game to give them a shot because their defense is not very good. I don't think their defense is very good. So that's that's the one knock I have on USC um, in terms of making that leap. Um, let me – somebody outside the top 25 – I mean, outside the top 10. I would say that I would love to see Oregon beat Georgia. And I think if they can somehow miraculously pull off this massive upset and beat Georgia, then they have a pretty good road because, I mean, they really only have to get through UCLA and um, Utah, I think, at that point. And then they'd be yeah. So, but that's so a huge think, ask, obviously. Yeah, no, that'd be a huge start for them. So I think for me, I, it's, it might be a little bit of a cop-out because they're just outside. But I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Oklahoma State. Um, I think whoever wins, if it's a one loss or an undefeated team out of the Big 12, um, they're gonna get into the playoff regardless. And I think you know you look, they play Baylor early. They play in the first week of October, and then the big matchup obviously is at the uh, the at the end of uh, November against Oklahoma. So I think if Oklahoma State you know is sitting there with one loss in the conference championship, um, I think they could sneak in. Especially if they, you know, if they beat, they're going to have to beat Baylor or Oklahoma. And then if they, you know, lose to one of them during the regular season, then beat them again. Um, I think they'll get it. They, they could get in. Uh, last question I have for you. Um, front runners, Heisman, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, um, Archie Griffin's the only person ever to win the Heisman Trophy Award twice. So it's a pretty tall task for Bryce Young to win it again. Do you think it's one of those two QBs to win the Heisman, or do you think there's some kind of dark horse that's on the outside right now? There's a lot of people saying that um, that defensive lineman was it Will Anderson Shorey from Bama? Uh, yeah, defensive end, outside linebacker. Defensive end. So there, there's a lot of people that are saying. Yeah, he's like the fourth reason, favorite. He, he can, yeah. So I think it'd be very difficult for a defensive player to win it. I think it's. Um, I think it's going to be one of those two. Or, But, again, named to a dark horse, like you just said, if USC makes a run to the college football playoff, that means Caleb Williams was fucking lights out this year. So Caleb Williams could be a guy that could sneak into it if USC is uh, as good as some people think they are. Listen, I have two bets that I don't call bets. I call them locks. Well, not locks. They're just they're facts is what they are. They're facts. So I'm just going to spend Caleb Williams is winning the Heisman. Plus 700, put put your money on it, but it's already a fact. So that's one I had written down. I'll, I'll save my other one because maybe it'll just get brought up. But um, yeah, Caleb Williams to me is the people. So the, the, my thought on this is people get bored with really good players. So For like sure. Lamar Heisman was his sophomore year. He comes out his junior year, has a better statistical season by a long shot. Uh, not a lot. It's pretty big. It's a pretty big statistical chain difference between his junior year when he was even better. He wasn't even like thought of on the Heisman. Um, 
players tend to have better years, but it doesn't matter. Like the fans and the players, like we expect that out of them. So once we see it again, it's like, yeah, that's what we saw before where Caleb Williams is not really a well-known name, um, especially on the East coast, probably more on the West coast. But um, I think that people are just going to be fashion, like loving what USC brings this year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the defensive end you talked about there in Bam, I already forgot his name, but I mean, like, Williams. huge, yeah, tall task. Obviously, Charles Woodson, like, the only real defensive player. I mean, he basically won it too because of, yep. like, returning kicks, but it's tall task, obviously, for that. Um, was Aiden Hutchinson a finalist last year? He was no second, I believe. Yeah. So it's probably one of the closest we've seen in a while. So I think it'd be awesome. I feel like if that, I feel like all the awards that are given out, MVP in the NFL, Heisman Trophy, it just turns in basically like who's the best fucking quarterback. And I hate that. So right. we'll see. Um, that's all I got. There was one thing I had. Um, I actually read this just before. It's not really more of a question for you guys. It's just like, a, I don't know if this is something that's really true for college football or if this is a new rule. But I read something that was talking about a new rule in college football. They had defenseless is a big thing with college football. Obviously, you get targeting and all that shit. You get dejected from the game. I think it's an absurd rule. But a new rule I saw is that when the quarterback starts their motion, the ball is still in the hands where they start their motion. They are now considered defenseless. So if a defensive person hits the quarterback while they're throwing the ball, do you think that might actually get them targeting calls because they're defenseless? Oh. That would be disgusting. That'd be if that is, it's the fucking hor- it's, That's horrible. Mm-hmm. Very bad. If it'll literally place. make the, it'll make it very difficult to watch games. It will. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's usually that's that's when a lot of turnovers happen. You know, quarterbacks are getting ready to throw right. and they either hurry it or whatnot. So, you could see a lot of turnovers getting like overturned because of that stupid penalty. If that's the case, so hopefully that is not the case. No, that's that's bullshit. All right, so those are the big five matchups, big ones. Now we are on to our Shuri sponsor. Natty Light Six Pack. The Natty Light Six Pack of picks, baby. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, Fagola, you want to tell us, tell them what we're doing? Yeah, so we're going to do something here, like year-long um... – your long little competition. We haven't quite decided, you know, what we're going to throw in, whether it's money or round of golf. I don't fucking know. We'll figure something out. But basically what we're going to do is we're going to pick uh, six games a week of, uh, I think we're going to do just strictly college football. And we're going to pick, um, the rules are we got to pick four games against the spread. We have to pick one underdog to win outright. And then we have, um, you know, we have to pick an over, over, under point total. Um, and basically what we'll do, if you get it right, it's a point. If you pick an underdog to win outright, you get three points. Whoever has the most points at the end of the season will win. Um, so if you guys have any suggestions on what we should do in terms of make this bat, what we should throw in or what the winner gets, you know, hit us up on Instagram, hit us up on Twitter, or if you, you know, if you text us, if you know us, uh, Give us some ideas, but that's kind of how we're going to go throughout the year. So should be fun. We'll keep you updated on standings um, each week. And um, you guys will have our picks, so you guys can actually follow along if you'd like. All right. I'm starting this thing off. I'm going to go with my first spread. Um, I'm taking 
Louisville to cover four and a half over Syracuse. They, I think this game is in Syracuse. Last season, Louisville shit stomped them 41 to three. Uh, Syracuse has a brand new quarterback this year. I think Louisville easily covers four and a half points. I think I'm already going to mark me down for one point in that one without even the game starting. So <laughs> I actually like listening. Uh, I loved it. So first one I'm taking, I'm taking Clemson 20 minus 21 and a half over Georgia tech. Clemson finished uh, second in the country last year in defensive points per game. Georgia tech had the 95th ranked offense in the country. I, I just don't think that uh, Georgia tech is going to have any shot of moving the football against Clemson. And I think DJ Uyunglele uh, or whatever it is uh, comes back, bounces back, has a big year. So I think Clemson's going to come out and make a statement early, um, and I think they're going to I think they're going to cover the twenty-one and a half. I've been riding my team, <clears throat> and I will continue to ride them, even though know I hate them. But they're my team apparently this year because I'm just talking about them. That's USC to cover thirty-two and a half over Rice, Lincoln Riley. Puts up monster numbers, um, so I just think that USC has the talent enough to be good defensively against Rice, no matter what, just because of the talent. Um, and then you just think, like, I think R- R- Lincoln Riley's an offensive genius when it comes to college football, and he just puts up a ton of points. I mean, this is not a uh, mock, just not a draft, so we're not going to snake right. We just keep going in order. Want to do that? We good? Yeah, yeah. Just All keep right, going. Cool. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Right. Um, I'm taking. Uh, we talk, I think someone mentioned them earlier, but I'm taking Utah State with plus 41 and a half. I think 42 points to cover is ton, even for Alabama. Alabama covered about 42 points last year twice, but those two teams were two of the worst teams in the entire nation. Utah State is not that bad, and they've played in week zero, so they're already 1-0. They got a little bit of rust off them. I'm taking Utah State 41 and a half. All right, uh, my next one, I am taking South Carolina 12 and a half, minus 12 and a half over Georgia State. Um, I think Spencer Rattler, obviously things didn't work out at Oklahoma, but I think he's very, I think he's pretty, pretty damn talented. I know Shorey's not a big fan of the guy, but I think that he uh, kind of gets, you know, a clean slate at South Carolina. Um, Georgia State wasn't bad last year, finished eight and five in the Sun Belt, but I think South Carolina is a different animal. They're in the SEC. I think they come out hot and I think they, uh, they they blow Georgia State out. My second one, Kentucky over Miami, Ohio. Take the spread. They're going to win by 16 or more points. Um, Kentucky is still looked at like they're a basketball school. No, no, no. They've been better at football lately. Very physical. Um, Stoops, I believe, is still their head coach. And they've been really good the last couple of years. So, I don't know what Miami, Ohio looks like. I just know that Kentucky's good. Give me them. Number three, this was one of our top um, you know, five matchups we talked about. Um, I have this team in my college football playoffs, so they better win this game, or I'm already out on that, I think. I'm taking Utah to cover three points uh, on against Florida. I'm going to go with another one we had in our preview, and I'm taking LSU to cover the three against Florida State. Colorado State to cover 30 and a half point deficit over Michigan. I think Michigan's really, I do think Michigan's good, and I think they have a really good, I think that Harbaugh's a good coach, 
but they're not like a team that just like goes out there and puts up massive points. And I don't think Colorado state's going to be that bad of a program to do that. So um, just kind of a gut feeling. I think Michigan's good. I don't think they're going to be uh, prime time, ready to go week one and dropping a million points. Uh, it's uh, uh, for my fourth one. It's actually one sure he's already said, but I'm taking Kentucky also 16 and a half over Miami, Ohio. I just think that a Mac school traveling week one to an sec school who's as good as Kentucky is going to be a very tall task. And I think 16 and a half is going to be covered easy for Kentucky. Um, all right, so I got I got to ask you guys a question here on how, what you want me to do. So when I looked at this game, um, it opened up at uh, it was like North Carolina minus one and a half, and I'm looking at the line on the score app now, and it's a pick'em. So um, I don't know how you guys want me to go about this. Um, so I don't know if I should be going off the one and a half or just the pick'em. Uh, I mean, it's up to you guys. Yeah, I, I, I don't care. I don't care. Pick I mean. Yeah. Okay. So go. Okay. Either way, I'm going North Carolina to win this game. Um, they're both, both of them were, I think, top 15 or top 17 offenses last year. Um, I just think North Carolina is just more talented. It's the difference in conference to me. So I'm, I'll take, I'll take North Carolina to win that one. Who, who are they playing? App, App State. Um, my next three are all games that we've covered. So Oregon, I think, will cover the 17-point spread uh, to Georgia. <clears throat> I just think I think Georgia controls the entire game. I think that maybe uh, USC just keeps it within striking distance at the end, mm-hmm. 17 and a half. I think it's see the 17 or 17 and a half. I can't remember. Uh, you have yeah, you have 17. That's what I got it down as. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. actually what I have to. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, so for the underdog money line bet, we're going here. I'm taking a eight point underdog. I'm thinking West Virginia beats Pitt. Um, I don't have much faith in many ACC schools outside of Clemson. Um, so this is actually games. This game is actually going to be Thursday night. So when this episode airs tonight, I guess you could say it. So, um, might be a decent game to watch on Thursday night here to get the weekend started. I think it will be. Um, so my underdog, I am actually taking Purdue over Penn state. Um, I think Penn state is an average, they're, they're an okay offense. Um, they, they were 90th in the country last year in points per game and they lost their best weapon in Jahan Dotson. So I don't think either team's going to light the world on fire as far as, um, their offensive skill sets go. They're both in the top 35 in defense and points per game. Penn state was actually top 10. So I think this is a close, like an ugly scoring, just like a ugly game to watch. Bunch of punts, field goals and shit. But I think Purdue's going to squeak that one out. So I'm going to take uh, Purdue, Purdue Purdue to win outright. Good call. Um, here we go again. Um, we got a second and one. Florida on LSU's 15. Second and one. The snap, fake handoff. Richardson rolls right. Justin Shorter throws it up, corner of the end zone, six foot five, wide receiver, makes the catch. Florida takes the lead again. Uh, I got Florida. It, it would have been a lot better if you started off by saying that Florida's on Utah's fucking yard line, but you said LSU's, so fuck oh, you, Sherry. Oh, Utah's oh, winning that game. I'm going to. Utah's winning that game. 
But no, I, I actually think Florida beats uh, Utah. That'll be an interesting, interesting one for I us. I know. I, I loved it when you uh, took that yeah. took the Utah side of it, and I took straight up money line. All right, for the total points over under, I it sucks, dude. I want to bet the over. I think overs are so much they're more fun to bet on, but I'm I'm going an under on this one. I'm taking Oklahoma State Central Michigan the the line for that is 59 and a half. Last year Oklahoma State had the third best defense in the country. They're going to return a lot of those defensive players and I think week 1 is usually the hardest week for any offense to get going. It takes a little bit for offense to get going. Defense is usually more solid. So I'm taking the under 59 and a half OK State Central Michigan. Uh I am going to a game you picked uh for tomorrow night or well, tonight Kev. I'm taking the over in Pitt and West Virginia, over 51. Uh, I think that both these teams, Pitt loves to sling the rock, and they have they got a transfer from USC, Keaton Slovis, who I actually, honestly, God, read something today who said that there are some people who think he's better than Kenny Pickett. Um, West Virginia got uh, JT Daniels for a transfer from Georgia there, and they have the offensive coordinator, Graham Harrell, um, who came came over from USC and, Harrell played in uh, that Texas Tech air raid offense, so I think the ball is going to be slang, uh, slung all over the field uh, tonight um, in the backyard brawl, and I think that I'm just, I'm hammer, I'd hammer the over, 51. Mine is Coleridge Bernard Stroud. CJ Stroud absolutely lights it up against Notre Dame, uh, but Notre Dame can put up some points, too, because of Ohio State's defense isn't that good. Take the over on points uh, at 50. I think the over is just 58 and a half. I've seen actually a couple now. I just looked on ESPN. I thought it said 55. So um, but either way, I think I think that Ohio State puts up 50 themselves. 58 and a half. 50 and a half is what I'm showing, yep. Yeah, uh, that wouldn't surprise me. So, yeah. Notre Dame is just going to score 10 to hit the over to hit. So, so if you want to bet one of those, you're going to win money. If you want to parlay all 15 of them, fucking, you could be a millionaire coming, you know. Just retire. Labor Day weekend. So it'd be a nice little win. Well, we can't to... because you and Shory contradicted on some picks. That's true. Yeah, so if you want to parlay like 13 of them and just see Shory picks out or something like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just take ten of them. You throw all five out. <laughs> I bet with my heart. <laughs> I've never bet on one fucking game in my life, but if I did, I'm gonna be really pissed if all five of these hit. Ooh, ooh. You may just have to create an account and start doing it. Like, I'll have to have a conversation actually, with the wife. <laughs> I'm, actually, I'm gonna put down I'm, five dollars on every one of my bets. That's I'm. I am actually contemplating. Yeah, I'm actually contemplating putting the only issue is is like we're not i'm not gonna be able to bet the lines that i just said because i'm using the score app so if i went to like bovada it's gonna be different could be different but i'm contemplating putting like five dollars down on every single game that i pick during this whole thing and see see where i end up but i may lose it all pretty quickly we'll see how it goes so we'll we'll keep track of scores on that all year long. Um, so our our bets are I mean our our bets are in at this point. 
if the line changes, we get these lines here that we have now. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I got a pretty good feeling about week one, though. I'll tell you that. We're going to be all like, it's going to just, we're just going to be thrown in the loops. It's, that's what makes football great is that probably besides like one or two, two, maybe three schools has always been upsets and it's just come out of nowhere, which is awesome. So I hope I'm wrong, to be honest with you. Like, I hope I fuck things up other than Florida, but I hope everything else gets fucked up. And, you know, I hope Alabama loses and doesn't, isn't in the top 25 this year or something stupid, but I hope I'm wrong. So. It's pretty interesting because that Florida game is obviously Saturday night at 7 ESPN. And then Notre Dame game is Saturday night at 7.30 on ABC. So there's going to be some good football to watch Saturday night. Yeah, it sucks because I think those are the two games I'm looking forward to the most. So Mm -hmm. if if Florida starts breaking my heart, just quickly flip it on and I'll watch Ohio State. uh, Rip my heart out. And and that will make my heart glow. So, yeah. (laughs) Yep. We'll see. That's it, so, boys. So uh, next week we're gonna we're gonna have to do a little preview on the golf golf uh, golf Ooh. outing though. Yep. That's right. That football NFL little little college. So yeah, NFL NFL. It's be gonna be out. a lot to pack in, <clears throat> for sure. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, BDB beers dad ball. Um, and then also subscribe to the podcast. I actually, I've seen the last couple episodes. looks like a little more people are listening. Sometimes we get our reviews from uh, how soon it's listened to after the episode drops. So if you're subscribing, it's a huge help to us. Um, even if you listen to it a couple of days later, we really appreciate it. Um, stay healthy. Peace. Yeah. Thanks, guys.